911, where's the emergency? My son is missing. How old is your son? He's four days old. Four days old? Yes. Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. The podcast that makes your law enforcement dreams happen. Welcome to the Go Law Enforcement podcast brought to you by GoLawEnforcement.com. I'm your host, Joe Lebowski. If you're looking for a job in law enforcement, GoLawEnforcement.com has the largest listing of law enforcement job openings. To help you get that law enforcement job, we've put together a special guide for you. Seven inside tips to get a law enforcement job fast. You can get the guide for free just by going to JobTipsNow.com. That's JobTipsNow.com. During a bitterly cold February morning in Wisconsin, a 911 call came in that a newborn baby was missing. Steve Kopp was police chief. In this episode of the Go Law Enforcement podcast, former Chief Kopp talks about the investigation and the rush to save the life of the baby. Well, Steve Kopp, Thank you for being on the Go Law Enforcement Podcast. Happy to be here. So tell me how you got started in law enforcement. Well, uh, in high school, um, my original aspiration was to be an architect. And uh, as I started looking for courses in Wisconsin uh, in that field, I couldn't really find anything. And um, I wasn't in a position where I could go out of state for financial reasons. So I just started looking through course catalogs for state universities and uh, stumbled across the what was then called the police science program at Platteville. And uh, that really uh, piqued my interest and started looking into that and decided to uh, go that route. So I uh, completed my degree at UW-Platteville and uh, got my first job in law enforcement as an officer for the South Beloit, Illinois Police Department. And you worked your way up through the ranks, correct? Right. I was, uh, I was in South Beloit for about a year and a half, and then I was hired by the Janesville Police Department, and I enjoyed a 32-year career there. Uh, you know, going from uh, patrol officer to uh, eventually retiring as deputy chief. And I was retired for um, about a year, really missed the work, and uh, started looking for chief jobs and was uh, hired as the chief for the town of Beloit um, in uh, 2011. Can you kind of give me a, a short overview of what the town of Beloit, what that town is like? Uh, well, our, our population is about 7,500. Um, it's a mostly rural town, about 27 square miles, um, a lot of agricultural area, but we do have a populated uh, area on the east side of Rock River, calls for service occur. And is that close to the Illinois border? It is. We're uh, just a couple of miles north of the Illinois state line. And can we go back 
to February 6 of 2014, a very unusual call came in. Can you describe that call? Sure. We received a 911 call from a frantic young lady who reported that her five-day-old baby uh, was missing from the house. Now, this was about 4.30 in the morning, and she woke up and discovered that her child was missing. Rock County 911, where's the emergency? My son is missing. How old is your son? He's four days old. Four days old? Yes. Was there a forced entry into your home, or where was your son? Huh? Where was your son? He in his bassinet. He was in his bassinet? Yes. Who else is in the home? My grandma, my boyfriend, and my uncle. Okay. And no one has seen the baby? I put him to sleep in his crib. So that started uh, just an incredible chain of events. And how unusual is it to get that type of call? Well, you know, you occasionally get calls of uh, runaways or of, you know, children that didn't come home from school or, you know, are late coming home from wherever they were. But to have a five-day-old infant go missing, um, I'd never heard of of anything like that. you know, sort of a a parental abduction or something, but it it was just an unimaginable call to think that someone would enter a house and steal uh, a five-day-old baby. Can you describe the situation when officers responded? Sure. Uh, The first officer that arrived was one of our officers, um, and fairly inexperienced, um, working by himself, uh, you know, at that time of the morning. And he had asked for assistance right away from the city of Beloit and the Rock County Sheriff's Department. You know, as he arrived, he, you know, was checking for signs of forced entry or anything. And, uh, you know, he made contact with the people in the house. The mother, of course, was frantic and upset, and, and it was hard to even get her to tell uh, the officer what had happened. But essentially, um, she said that uh, she had woken, gone to bed about 1.30 in the morning, had woken up at 4.30 and checked the bassinet where the baby was and the baby was missing. And, you know, of course, she alerted the other people that were in the house and, and checked the house and, and the baby wasn't there. In situations like this, Obviously, there's a variety of possibilities, and you have to be open-minded to uh, to any of those possibilities. Were there a variety of different scenarios that was kind of going through your mind? Well, you know, I got I got a call um, at home, uh, you know, shortly before five o'clock, and you know, notifying me of this call and. So my my first thought was, you know, I've got an inexperienced officer at this scene, and uh, you know, it, it was just so hard to believe that this actually occurred. And so, 
I called uh, for a sergeant, uh, an experienced sergeant, to um, come in and go to the house and assess the situation just so that I could be sure that this is really uh, what had occurred. And uh, so the sergeant that responded has a lot of experience, was a a detective for for many years. And, uh, you know, he agreed with with the assessment. I mean, the the baby was gone. There was no forced entry to the home. Um, And so I guess in my mind, what I think the original theory was is that perhaps this baby had died either a SIDS death or, um, you know, some neglect or abuse. And, and, and the body was, you know, being concealed somewhere. And this was the story that, that the parents were presenting. So I think that was early on, that was what we were thinking. And where did the investigation go from there? Well, it, you know, as I said, we had uh, assistance from the city of Beloit and Rock County already on scene. And we had called for a canine from the Janesville Police Department, and he came. But this was, uh, bear in mind, this is February. It's bitterly cold outside. The ground is snow-covered. And it, it just wasn't uh, a situation where the canine could be of assistance. So, you know, the... The initial at-scene investigation involved thorough search of the house, thorough search around the house, intense neighborhood canvas, um, checking trash bins in the area. Uh, It was actually a trash pickup day in that neighborhood, stopping the, uh, the trash pickup so that all the bins could be checked. Um, and stopping any vehicles that were leaving the area. I, as it turns out, um, one of my officers uh, is married to uh, G.B. Jones, who at that time was the ASAC of the Milwaukee FBI office. And I called him um, just to say, hey, this is what we've got. What kind of assistance can you give? And so he actually uh, was on his way to Milwaukee at the time. He stopped, came to the town of Blake Police Department. At that time, I mean, DCI was notified, and all of the wheels were in motion at that point. And, Joe, I've got to tell you, I have never seen a response from law enforcement like we had that day. Within two hours, we had FBI agents we had DCI agents um, by probably four or five hours into the call. We had so many personnel responding that we had to actually relocate the command center to our fire station because we didn't have a space big enough at our police department to accommodate everyone. So uh, to back up just a little bit so that this starts to make sense, there had been someone in the house at the time that the mother went to bed. And this person was a half sister of the mother and she lives in Colorado, but um, she was going back to Colorado uh, that day, the day that Caden went missing. And so 
when the mother woke up and found Caden missing, her half-sister was also gone. So she had called her half-sister, and, of course, um, she was told that she didn't know anything about the missing baby, that the baby was in the bassinet when she left the home. And uh, so one of the officers that was at the scene also called this woman and uh, talked to her on her cell phone. She said she was in Iowa, but she didn't know exactly where she was. She was on the interstate. So the officer directed her to get off at the next exit so that we would know where she was. So she called back in about 20 minutes, said that she was in uh, West Branch, Iowa. And so the officer, this was a very heads up uh, call. The officer said, you need to find a police officer and give the phone to the police officer so I can talk to him. Well, as luck would have it, she's at a gas station at a, uh, at an interstate exit and the police officer pulls in to gas up his squad. So she makes contact uh, with the officer who happened to be an officer from the West Branch Police Department. And the Bloyd officer talked to uh, this officer, explained the, the call and asked the officer to get consent search to search this woman's car. And uh, she allowed the search um, there were baby clothes in uh, the van, but no sign of the missing baby. And the baby clothes were explained because the mother of the, of the missing baby had intended to move to Colorado. So this woman was taking some of the clothing to Colorado. So while this officer had contact with her, um, he, of course, ran her uh, through the system and found out that she had a warrant out of Texas for fraud. So he took her, her into custody and, um, you know, so but we're still in a situation where we have no idea where the baby is. So what was the next stage that started to focus the investigation? Well, uh, you know, we're... So the all, all of the agents um, that are working the case here are in the process of basically tracking down anybody that had any contact with this baby in the five days of his life to interview them to see if anybody knows anything about it, contacting all uh, family members in the area and conducting all those interviews. Uh, at the same time, of course, DCI analysts are uh, checking cell phone records and, you know, social media and doing all those things that they do. And farther afield, the word is out, you know, through Illinois and Iowa that we're searching for this baby. Was there anything that came up that caused her to be more focused on... Uh, the woman was was the half sister. Is that Kristen Smith? Yes. And, and you mentioned DCI. Can you explain what DCI is? Uh, the Division of Criminal Investigation with the state of Wisconsin. So, what happened that kind of caused the focus to center on Kristen Smith? 
they later went after she was taken into custody. They did later did a more thorough search of the vehicle that she was in, and they uncovered a. And this is where it gets a little bizarre. They uncovered a prosthetic uh, pregnancy belly, and in the course of the DCI analyst checking emails and so on. She sent an email that she had given birth to a baby while she was in Wisconsin visiting her half-sister. And by this time, FBI agents are interviewing Kristen Smith's husband in Colorado, and he was uh, under the impression that his wife was indeed pregnant. And she had this very, uh, apparently had lived this very convincing story uh, for nine months because uh, he legitimately thought that she was pregnant and was not surprised that she had supposedly given birth while in Wisconsin. So the baby was missing. The call came in about 4.30 in the morning. About what time in the day was it that uh, you found the prosthetic the other information about her pretending to be pregnant? Yeah, well, I'm not sure. That would have been later in the day when the West Branch officer had initial contact with her was about 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning. So she was taken into custody, you know, fairly quickly after the call. I'm taken into custody on that warrant. So it was later in that, later that day, I think in the afternoon, when, you know, the the email was uncovered and, and this story started to unfold about the false pregnancy. When that all came about, did you all of a sudden obviously realize this is the woman that took the child? And now the next question is, where is the baby? Right. I mean, that's exactly uh, what happened. And so this started uh, an even more intensive search, um, you know, along the highways and so on, particularly near where she was taken into custody. Can you describe what the weather was like on that day? Well, as I said, it was, uh, it was bitterly cold here, you know, the early February, it's the dead of winter. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was just a bitterly cold winter day. So as the day is going on, you have Kristen Smith, who is your likely suspect, and the question is, where's the baby? Obviously, investigators are interviewing her. What is what is she saying about what happened or where the baby is? Well, um, I'm trying to recall. Um, you know, the, the information was... Uh, that the that the agents that were interviewing her in Iowa wasn't coming back terribly quickly to us, so we're we're continuing all the investigative efforts here. And yes, she was the focus of the investigation, but you know we didn't know for sure what she was saying at that point. As time is getting away from you, are you starting to feel less optimistic about a? about a good outcome? Well, I, you know, I have to say that I, I don't, 
I don't think that anybody was optimistic. You know, I mean, these types of cases in a large percentage of the time don't end well. And, you know, you couple that with uh, the frigid weather conditions and, um, you know, just not knowing where the baby might be. I don't think there was a great deal of optimism, but on the other hand, that also fueled the efforts to do everything we can to find the baby. Were there any developments as the night wore on into the next day? Uh, Well, first of all, I do have to credit the media. You know, I've 40 years in law enforcement. You know, I'd I'd had uh, my share of, of major cases that I'd been involved in and certainly dealt with the media um, countless times. But I had never seen a media response like this one. You know, just the fact that we're dealing with a five-day-old baby, it just brought everybody. And, um, you know, we were, we were providing media updates about every four to six hours, you know, just putting the word out um, that we're looking for this baby and, uh, you know, trying to keep everyone updated on what the progress of the investigation was. So we went through the night. Agents and detectives and officers uh, worked throughout the night. And so the next morning, you know, we're doing briefings at the command post and seeing, you know, making sure everything's covered that needs to be covered. And so we were going to do another press briefing at 11 a.m. the following morning. And so I was in my office about 1030 trying to put words together to basically say the investigation is continuing. We continue to interview, you know, family members and and witnesses and so on. When uh, ASAC Jones came into my office and he says, wait, wait, we think we found the baby. And, uh, you know, that's, that's when the chief from the West Branch Iowa Police Department was out that morning checking, you know, the surrounding area where Kristen Smith was taken into custody, just searching for any sign of the baby. And he had pulled into a gas station across the interstate interstate from the station where she was taken into custody. And as he pulls in, he sees a Rubbermaid tote outside uh, along some other um, bins or racks or something, but it, it just, it didn't look like it belonged. So he went into the gas station and brought the uh, manager out and he asked the manager, is that, you know, is that something that should be here? And the manager said, no, he didn't know what it was. So the chief went over and uh, approached the bin and he pulled the top off and he hears the sound of a baby crying. And underneath uh, several layers of blankets is our missing baby. And he was alive. He was healthy. And it was just, just an incredible ending to this case. This is the actual radio call to dispatch from the West Branch Police Chief that he's located the baby and he's requesting paramedics. Give me West Branch Fire. 
advise the other units. I've got it here. Can you give me more info? Infant inside a toad. It's still crying and alive. It must have been abandoned there. So about how many hours was the baby in that plastic tote? From the time that she abandoned him there until the chief found him was about 29 hours. And the temperature in West Branch, Iowa, overnight that night was minus 11 degrees. Is there any explanation for how a child could survive under those conditions? Well, uh, aside from it being a miracle, um, you know, I think just the fact that she, at least she had wrapped this baby in, you know, numerous blankets and, um, you know, how, how he managed to stay warm enough and not suffocate in that bin is just beyond me. The entire time that Kristen Smith was in custody being questioned, did she ever give any information about what she had done with the baby? No, and that's what we found absolutely astounding, is how could she be in custody for over 24 hours, knowing that this baby was out in the bitter cold and not tell investigators? So for all intents and purposes, she made a conscious decision to possibly let the baby die rather than give up information that might incriminate herself. That appears to be the case. When the child was found and was alive, did did Kristen express any remorse? Uh, well, uh, of course, I wasn't privy to... Uh, you know, to those conversations, but from what I understand, no, she never did. And what was she charged with? Kidnapping. And what was the final, was she convicted of of kidnapping? She was, she was convicted and she was sentenced to 25 years in prison. Has she ever expressed any remorse for what she did? Not to my knowledge. It's just hard to fathom that uh, that a child could survive under those conditions. It really is. Anything else you'd like to add about this truly fascinating case? Well, um, as I may have said, you know, in all the cases that uh, I've been involved in throughout my career, this was the most satisfying, the most incredible case. And... As much as uh, law enforcement is under fire these days, every time you turn around, the cooperation, the collaboration, the coming together of all these different agencies and um, just jumping in and doing whatever was necessary to find this baby, it's just so incredibly gratifying. Anybody who is working in law enforcement or considering going into law enforcement as a career, what do you think the takeaway is from this case? This is why you do it. You know, I think that we brought that out at the press conferences when we announced his recovery is this is what it's all about. You know, it's these kinds of moments that um, make all the other bad stuff worth it. 
Well, Steve, thank you for sharing what is truly an amazing event with a great outcome. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. This is a case, obviously, that I will never forget. And, you know, just to kind of relive it now, it's still very emotional. And I just want to add, too, that um, I continue to see Caden. Um, his mother brings him uh, to the police department about every six months or so. And, uh, you know, he's he's always happy to see us. Of course, he has no recollection of the event, but he, uh, I think he realizes um, that, you know, the police at some point played a pretty significant role in his life. And, uh, you know, it's just, a, it's a pleasure to see him growing up and, you know, I just wish the family all the best. Thank you for being on Go Law Enforcement. Thank you. If you're looking for a job in law enforcement, check out the largest listing of law enforcement jobs on golawenforcement.com to help you get that law enforcement job you want and deserve. We've put together a special guide for you. Seven inside tips to get a law enforcement job fast. You can get the guide for free just by going to jobtipsnow.com. That's jobtipsnow.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening.